0: part two chapter twelve of ancestors a novel by gertrude atherton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson chapter twelve gwynne on the following day was making a late toilet and in anything but a good-humour for he had grown accustomed to early rising when he received a note from isabel it ran dear partner Annabel has just told me over the telephone that Tom and mr.. Leslie and two other Representative citizens are going out to see you this afternoon. I have the ghost of an idea that a friendly call is not their only object Do be plastic it is better in the beginning until you know your ground Above all don't be too English you are vastly improved, but you have lapses I send you your share of the ducks Mariana's roasting will explain our pride in one of the two most native of our products The next time we go to San Francisco I'll take you to the market and we will sit in a grimy little balcony restaurant and you will be introduced to fried California oysters Please consider the marsh your own and whenever you come remember that you are to have breakfast or supper with me Are you quite comfortable if anything is wrong? I will go over and interview Mariana and the Jack of course the latter will appropriate your cigarettes and books. He is probably a prince and far from condescending to steal He will take them as his right and his auteur may match your own at times Moreover he may decamp any morning without giving notice Lafcadio Hearn dwells upon the impermanency of the Japanese and we can all bear him out But on the other hand the Jap will keep your house cleaner than any other sort of servant and he can be both amiable and alert when he chooses I Merely warn you for I know nothing of your present homme de chambre Beyond the recommendation of my tumor who is amiable to the verge of imbecility If he disappears let me know at once for I really want to make you comfortable and contented In what must seem to you little more than a beautiful wilderness peopled by ambitious barbarians But wait till you know San Francisco Isabel Gwynne smiled at the form of address and the expressions of concern in his welfare, but he scowled twice over the admonition to be plastic and American. be what I damn please, he announced aloud, much to the surprise of, of Imura Kisaburo Hinomoto, who entered at the moment with his shaving-water. Nevertheless, when his visitors arrived late in the afternoon, his natural courtesy, and the reflection that he had not come to America to fail, induced him to receive the fall with something like warmth and to place his cigars and whiskey he already knew better than to offer them tea at their immediate disposal They sat on the porch facing the mountain and for a few moments the conversation was confined to the weather and the scenery Giving Gwynne an opportunity to observe his guests with some minuteness Judge Leslie and young Colton he had already met and he liked the former a pleasant shrewd tactful man who was one of the chief ornaments of the northern bar and universally admitted to be dead straight so straight indeed was he that his term of judgeship had been brief he had been carried to the bench on an independent ticket but the reform movement subsiding he could obtain re-election only by bargaining with political bosses and this he refused to do but after the fashion of the country he retained his title He had a loose hairy benignant face with a humorous but penetrating eye and the usual dome-like brow His body had grown unwieldy from years and lack of exercise and his clothes were old-fashioned and generally dusty He voted the Republican ticket and was not too well pleased with his son-in-law who was a red Democrat and rising daily in the good graces of the party bosses. This young man, who was sipping his plain soda and commenting on neither the scenery nor the weather, had inspired Gwynne with a certain interest and curiosity. He was thirty, but looked little over twenty, and his large, limpid blue eyes were as guileless as a child's. He had a long, pale face with an indifferent complexion and the more common American lantern jaw his hair and brows and lashes were paler than straw and his long lank figure was without either distinction or muscularity Nevertheless there was a curious suggestion of cynical power in his impassive face and lolling inches and Gwynne had made up his mind that he would be useful as a study in politics Mr. Wheaton one of the present city fathers a position he had occupied with brief intermittences for many years, had hard china-blue eyes and a straight mouth, in a large, square, smoothly shaven face. He had crossed the plains in the fifties from the inhospitable state of Maine, sought fortune in the gold diggings with moderate success, avoided San Francisco with a farmer's dread of sharpers, and drifting to the hamlet at the head of Rosewater Creek, had opened a small store for general merchandise Frugality and a shrewd knowledge of what men wanted and women thought they wanted had increased his capital so rapidly that in five years He had converted a wing of the store into a bank Today he was power his wife was the leader of Rosewater Society and attended first nights in San Francisco Mr.. Larkin T. Bouts was new to Gwynne Although his status was easily to be inferred from the constant references in the local press He was a fat little man who sat habitually with the hand on either knee Which he clawed absently both in conversation and thought Otherwise his attitude was one of extreme repose even watchfulness He was excessively neat almost fashionable in his dress which Gwynne was to observe in the course of time was invariably brown he had a small pointed beard and a sharp direct dishonest eye he was the leading hardware merchant of rosewater and owned the hotel and the opera house his business methods had never been above criticism and his politics drove the san francisco correspondent during legislative sittings into a display of caustic virtue which gave the newspaper he represented just the necessary smack of reform and did not hurt its inspiration in the least for mr bouts was too sharp for the law and all his sins were forgiven him on account of his genuine devotion to rosewater far from battening on her after the fashion of the san francisco cormorant he had never taken a dollar out of her that he had not returned a hundredfold and he was the author of much of her wealth this gentleman was the first to indicate that they had not driven out to lumalitas to discuss the weather and the scenery best come to business he said abruptly judge will you do the talking but judge Leslie who was a modest man waved his hands deprecatingly the idea is yours sir and yours is the right to state the case the host hastily poured whiskey and soda lest he should look haughtily expectant it's just this mr. Gwynne began bout in his suave even tones we have seen your ads we know that you contemplate selling off a good part of your ranch well there was a buzz round town when those ads were read and i was not long passing the word that there would be a mass meeting that night in armory hall that's where we thresh things out and in this case there was no time to lose we had a pretty full meeting judge leslie took the chair and i opened with some of the most pointed remarks i ever made i was followed with more unanimity than usually falls to my lot the upshot was that resolutions were passed before nine o'clock and a committee of four was appointed to wait upon you to-day and endeavour to win you to our point of view he continued suddenly lame for by this time gwynne forgetting isabel and his good resolutions was staring at the common little man with all the arrogance of his nature in arms and the color rising in his cheeks Mr. Bout's hands gripped his knees as if for Anchorage and he proceeded firmly No offense sir, I assure you this is a free country the man who tells another man what he ought to do Should be called down good and hard Nothing could be further from our intention the meeting was called only in the cause of what you might call both self-defense and patriotic local sentiment Although it's a sentiment that's local to about two-thirds of California only we do more acting and less talking than most It's now some weeks since we adopted resolutions in a still bigger mass meeting and got the best part of the country to subscribe to them On the ground that an ounce of prevention and so forth And so we hoped that as you have come to live among us you could be brought to see things from our point of view he scraped his chair forward and dropped his voice confidentially at the same time, darting a sharp glance through the open window beside him. "'It's this Japanese business. The Chinese, back in the seventies, was not a patch on it, because the Chinese never aspired to be anything but house-servants, fruit-pickers, vegetable-raisers and vendors on a small scale and the like. The agitation against them which led to the exclusion bill was wholly Irish.' That is to say, it was entirely a working-class political agitation, because the Chinese was doing better work for less money than the white man. The better class liked the Chinese and have always regretted the loss of them, and today those who are left, particularly cooks and workers on the big reclaimed lands of the San Joaquin River, where they raise the best asparagus in the world. Yes, in the world, sir get higher wages than any white man or woman in the state but these japs are a different proposition they're slack servants unless they happen to be a better sort than the majority and that unreliable you never know where you are with them and being servants is about the last ambition they've come for to this great and glorious country they're buying farms all up and down the rivers the most fertile land in the state, to say nothing of some of the interior valleys. You see, there were big grants like Lumalitas at first over a good part of California. Then the ranches of thousands of acres were cut up and sold into farms of three or four hundred acres that paid like the mischief so long as the old man stuck to business himself. This he generally did. But times have changed, and now all the young men want to go to town. "'and most of the big farms have been cut up into little ones "'and sold off to immigrants and the like. "'Well, that's the Japs' lay. "'They like things on a small scale "'and know how to wring a dollar out of every five-cent piece. "'No one's denying they're smart. "'They slid in and got a good grip "'before we thought them worth looking at. "'Now we're saddled with about 30,000 of them "'and more coming on every steamer from Honolulu and Japan.' Some years ago when they began to find themselves as a nation and to rebel at the foreigners that were ruling things through the open ports They let it be pretty well known that it was going to be Japan for the Japanese Well now the sooner they know that it's California for the Californians the better it will be for all hands We don't go round looking for trouble, but if it comes our way We don't mind it one little bit We'll tolerate the Japs just in so far as we find them useful and useful they are as servants For if they don't hold a candle to the old Chinese They're a long sight better than our lazy high-toned hired girls who are good for just exactly nothing And we need a certain amount of them for hire in other fields, but as citizens not much We've put a stop to that right here in this county at least and so mr. Gwynne that's the milk in the coconut and We hope that you'll see things our way and not sell any of your land to the Japs You see interposed judge Leslie that Gwynne might not feel himself rushed to a decision These little men while possessing so many admirable traits that I am quite willing to take off my hat to them Are not desirable citizens in a white man's country? Not only is their whole view of life and religion every antecedent and tradition exactly opposed to the Occidental So that we never could assimilate them Never even contemplate their taking a part in our legislation nor marrying our daughters But and for the majority of the people this is the crux of the whole matter commercially and industrially they are a menace with their excessive frugality they can undersell the most thrifty white man both as farmers and merchants and the contempt they excite Particularly in this state of extravagant traditions is as detrimental in its effects as their business methods The more a man exercises his faculty for contempt the more must his general standards sink toward pessimism And pessimism is neither more nor less than a confession of failure in the struggle with life I never was much of a fighter, so I believe in eliminating the foe whenever it is possible. At all events, we have made up our minds to eliminate the Jap, what with one motive and another, and I think we will. It may come to war in time, when the United States are ready, but we Californians have a way of taking matters into our own hands, and as war is a remote possibility, and we have little prospects of legislation, what with the treaty and the unpreparedness of the country for war. We just do what we can to freeze the Japs out. If we must have small farmers, and our own young men have other ambitions, there are plenty of good European immigrants, and it is our business to encourage them. We assimilate anything white so quickly, it is a wonder an immigrant remembers a native way of pronouncing his own name. But the Oriental we can't assimilate, for all our ostrich-like digestion and what we can't assimilate we won't have it is also true that we don't like the jap he antagonizes us with his ill-concealed impertinence under a thin veneer of civility and superior as he is still he has a colored skin now right or wrong christian or merely natural we despise and dislike colored blood every decent man of us in this united states of america your sentimentalists can come over and wonder and write about us, reproach us, and do their honest, ingenuous best to convert us. It never will make one damned bit of difference. We are as we are, and that is the end of it. The antagonism, of course, only leaps to life when the coloured man wants equal rights and recognition, something he will never get in the United States of America as long as the stripes and the stars wave over it and the sooner the sentimentalists quit holding out false hopes, the better. As to the Chinese, it is quite true that there was no objection to them outside of politics, and the reason was they kept their place. The antipathy to the Japanese extends throughout all classes. Every thinking man in the state is concerned with the question. California will be overrun with them before we know where we are, and we are hoping that other countries will give an ear to the wisdom and far sightedness Mr Bouts has displayed in proposing that no more land shall be sold or rented to the Japanese. They can work for us if we have need for them, for a while, but they cannot settle. Gwynne had been thinking rapidly as Judge Leslie drawled out his homily. In his new apprehension of latent weaknesses in his character, he was indisposed to yield to pressure but he was equally desirous not to let the turmoil into which his inner life had been thrown lead him to any ridiculous extremes, not only interfering with his prospects, but converting himself into chaos. He was extremely anxious to make no mistakes at the outset of his new career, beset with difficulties enough. Their words had every appearance of being a just presentment, of a just cause. He didn't care a hang about the jack. For the matter of that, he reflected with some bitterness he didn't care a hang about California. At this point in his reflections he became aware that Colton was turning his head with a sort of slow significance. He looked up and watched a pale eyelash drop over a deep gleam of intelligence. Mr. Leslie finished speaking, and Gwynne replied with an elaborate politeness, which might be his vehicle for spontaneous sympathy. Or utter indifference thank you all very much for your confidence in me and also for preventing me from making what no doubt would have been a serious mistake I have no desire whatever for the Japanese as a neighbor I was one of the few to recognize the menace of Japan to Occidental civilization when all the world was sympathizing with it during its war with Russia and they will get no encouragement from me so the matter is settled as far as I am concerned. Shake, said Mr. Wheaton in a deep, rumbling voice. The four shook hands solemnly with their new neighbor, then, with even a greater gusto, drank his health. Gwynne suddenly remembering the California tradition and the ducks, invited them to remain for supper, but all declined except Colton, who sent his wife a message by his father-in-law. The other three climbed into Judge Leslie's Surrey and departed, Colton remarking apologetically and somewhat wistfully, "She's dining at the judge's and won't miss me. I never leave her alone. I'll get back in time to take her home." End of chapter Twelve.